you have kids that are kindergarten to third grade and are going to children's church, they can uh, dismiss down now with Miss Connie. Um, well, welcome to Living Hope Church. Uh, welcome to those joining us online. Thank you so much for being here with us this morning. Uh, when you walk into our building, uh, there are four words that greet you there in the lobby. Uh, and those four words serve as our core values of who we believe God has called us to be as a church and as followers of Jesus. Those four words are serve, share, strengthen, and send. Last week, we started a series in which we are walking through those four words, those which set the foundation for who we are as a church. Last week, we looked at the first word, which was uh, serve or servanthood. And we keyed, on, keyed in on Matthew 20, 28, where Jesus said, The Son of Man, Jesus, did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. If Jesus came to serve and give his life for others, then out of gratitude for what he has done in our lives, we too should serve and give our lives for others. We believe that we as a church, we as family units, we as individuals are called to love and serve others. And we believe we are not uh, just called to serve fellow Christians and church members, but we are called to love and serve all of those that God has placed around us in our lives. We're called to serve our community, our neighbors, uh, our coworkers, our friends, even the obnoxious people we don't like because of our gratefulness for the forgiveness and life we have in Jesus. If you missed last week's sermon and you're interested in what we believe, then you can go back and listen to that. It's available on our website, on YouTube, or Apple Podcasts. Uh, it is this call to serve others that kind of sets the foundation for the following three core values of the church. So as followers of Jesus, we are called to serve, to love those around us, to live differently than the world, and in that to point people to Jesus. Because we serve and we love them, we should be the best friends, the best neighbors, the best employees they have. Because we aren't called to live for ourselves, but instead called to live for others. And because of the way we live, people should notice a difference in who we are and be intrigued and drawn to that light, that hope, that love that is in us. The way we love and serve others should be so dramatically different than how the people around us live that it should provide opportunities for us to share the hope of Jesus. I love what Peter writes in 1 Peter 3. In 1 Peter 3, Peter describes this life of servanthood we are called to live. He describes loving others above ourselves, not repaying evil with evil. And then he says in verse 15, he says this. He writes, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. Peter's promise is that if we love others, serve others, our great neighbors, friends, and employees, then people will notice the difference and they're going to ask us why we're different. And the answer is Jesus and the salvation and forgiveness we have in him. Peter's saying, be ready to share the hope you have in Jesus. Because if you love and serve others, people will notice and they will ask. And then he says at the end there, he says, as you share, you don't shove that down people's throats with anger and arrogance, but we do so with gentleness and respect. Today we're going to talk about sharing the gospel. The gospel is simply the good news of Jesus with those around us. Share is the second of our core values, and it's the one that, that often causes us to tense up and get a little nervous. But today I hope to communicate why sharing is so important, and then give you some tools to kind of lower your anxiety level and increase the frequency in which you are sharing your hope with your friends. As a church and as individuals, we want to share the gospel clearly and truthfully, but in love with gentleness and respect, because we believe the gospel, the good news of Jesus, is the hope of the nations, the hope of Green River, the hope of our friends, and the hope of our loved ones. We share the gospel because it has given us life and hope in Jesus. And we believe it is the hope of those around us. So we're going to be in Romans chapter 10, if you want to head there. 
Uh, and we're going to start uh, there in verse 1 and read through verse 15. Paul writes, Brothers and sisters, my heart's desire and prayer to God for the Israelites is that they may be saved. So Paul begins this passage by talking about his people, the Israelites. Paul was not only an Israelite by blood, but he was raised in the traditions and schooled in the Jewish faith. These were his people, and he loved them, and he longed for them to be saved. And so he prayed faithfully for their salvation. We must, like Paul, be a people that pray for the salvation of our people, of our family, of our friends, our neighbors, and our community. Verse 2, he says, For I can testify about them that they are zealous for God, but their zeal is not based in knowledge. So Paul says zeal, passion, effort, good deeds that are not based in Jesus are of no good. Those are not what save us. Being religious, being a good person, going to church, trying hard is not what our salvation is based on. And it's not what our friends, neighbors, and family members' salvation is based on. Forgiveness of sins, salvation, eternity in heaven is based on Jesus and Jesus alone. Misdirected zeal, Paul says, is not good enough. It doesn't save. So we must be people who share and point to the truth of Jesus. Verse 3. Since they did not know the righteousness of God and sought to establish their own, they did not submit to God's righteousness. Christ is the culmination of the law so that there may be righteousness for everyone who believes. Moses writes this about the righteousness that is by the law. The person who does these things will live by them. But the righteousness that is, that is by faith says, do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down, or who will descend into the deep, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? It says, the word is near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart. That is the message concerning faith that we proclaim. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. As scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. So Paul says with assurance that any and all that will turn to Jesus and declare him as Lord and believe that he is their Savior and make him the Lord of their life, they will be saved. There are no maybes here. Paul says if you do that and you believe in your heart, you will be saved. There's incredible assurance and confidence in this declaration from Paul. If you have repented and trusted Jesus, then you can know for sure you are saved. You are forgiven. You will never perish and you will spend eternity in heaven with Jesus one day. And it is Jesus alone that offers that hope to all we know and love. Verse 12, Paul says, For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how then can they call on the one whom, whom they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear with so, without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for just the, the truth of this passage. We thank you for the pattern that Paul lays out for sharing the good news with others. Lord, we thank you that we can have confidence that if we have uh, confessed our sins, if we have believed in you and we have made you Lord of our life, we are saved. And we can trust that that assurance is out there for our friends and our neighbors and our family members. If they will turn and repent and trust you, they will be saved. God, we thank you that your salvation is not offered just to the select, but it is offered to all. God, may we be a people that, that see those around us, that love them, that has compassion on them, that care for them, that pray for them. 
and that faithfully and boldly share your hope with them. God, we pray that we would be these messengers with beautiful feet that go and share and that many in our families and our community and across the nation of the world would come to faith because of our faithfulness to share your good news. God, we love you and we praise you. In your name we pray. Amen. So this passage begins in verse 1 with Paul saying, it is his heart's desire for the Israelites to be saved. And we talk about it, but the Israelites are Paul's people. He loves them. He cares for them. And his prayer and his heart's desire is that they might be saved. So as we begin, we have to ask ourselves the question, are we burdened for the people around us like Paul was? Or maybe more bluntly, do we even care about the people around us? Do we care that the Bible says that those that don't know him as Lord and Savior will perish and spend eternity in hell separated from him if they die not knowing him? Do, do we care? Paul cares. And my prayer for us as individuals and as for, us, for us as a church is that God would break our hearts for those around us that don't know Jesus. That he would break our hearts for those all over the world that don't know Jesus. Do we care? Do you care? And not just intellectually do we care, but do we live our lives as though we care? Do we leverage our time, our finances, our life, our relationships, our career for the advancement of the gospel? It's easy to say, I care on a Sunday morning, but does our life, does your life reflect it? And here's why it's so important that we care and that we, that we share the hope of Jesus with our friends and neighbors. Because Paul says there is only one way that those are, that are far from Jesus might come to relationship with him. There's only one way that they might put their trust and their faith in Jesus, and that is through hearing the gospel, the hope of Jesus. Paul writes, how then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching or sharing with them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? Paul says, how can they believe if no one takes the time to share the good news with them? Paul says there's only one way that people come to faith in Jesus. And that's through hearing the good news of who he is and how he gave his life so that they may be forgiven of their sins and given new life in him. And who are the only people equipped to share the good news of Jesus with the lost and dying world? It's us. It's those of us that are transformed followers of Jesus. It's those of us that know the gospel, that have experienced the good news of Jesus. The hope of the world is Jesus, and the chosen vessel for sharing that good news is the church. It's believers. It's you, and it's me. Our lives have been radically transformed by the gospel. We've experienced hope, grace, forgiveness, and new life in Jesus. And we are now God's chosen vessel to share that hope with the world around us. There's no plan B. God has given us collectively, and you and me specifically, a mission to make him known to a lost and dying world. To put it maybe more bluntly, you as a believer telling your neighbors, co-workers, friends, and family the good news is God's plan A for spreading his message, for spreading his hope. His plan is not just for me, the pastor, to do it or for the internet to do it. It is for all of us as believers to open our mouths and share what God has done. So that's the first point. I know it's up there. It says, the church, the believer, is God's chosen vessel to share his hope with the world. Paul says it's only through hearing that people are saved. And he says, how can they hear unless someone is sent? Unless someone comes to them and shares. Servanthood, like we talked about last week, is critical. But if we don't take that next step and share the hope we have in Jesus... Then Paul says those around us will die and go to hell knowing some really nice people. But never knowing the hope, peace, and forgiveness of Jesus. 
So yes, we are called to love and serve those around us, but we are also called to share the hope of Jesus with them in a loving, gentle, and respectful way. So what do we do? How do we intentionally look for opportunities and share Jesus with our friends and neighbors? First, we talked about it earlier, but first thing, I think we need to prepare our hearts and petition, to move, petition God to move as Paul does. The first thing Paul does in verse 1 is he prays. And when we pray, we not only ask God to move in others' lives, but we ask him to move in our lives as well. We ask, us to ask, we ask him to give us his compassion for those far from Jesus. We ask for his love. We ask for his courage to share. And we ask for opportunities to share. In that, we also ask God, ask that God would move in others' lives and draw them to saving faith in him. So the first thing we must do if we want to see our friends, neighbors, co-workers, community, and nation saved is we must pray. We must pray for those that don't know Jesus. So that's our next point. Pray for those that don't know Jesus. Make this a part of your regular lifestyle. Pray for those you see each and every day. As you're living your life, pray for those around you. Pray for those that come into your office. Pray for those you see in the neighborhood. Pray for those you see at the ball field. Pray for opportunities to share. Pray for courage. Pray that God would give you his compassion in ways to love, serve, and point others to him. You see, we can have the most beautiful words and the perfect tool, but if God doesn't move in someone's life and help them understand our words are wasted, the Bible says. We must be praying consistently and fervently for people to come to faith. If you want to see people come to faith, first begin by praying and look for opportunities to share. So we'll assume that we're all going to pray for the lost around us now. But what are some ways that we can do what Paul says here and share the truth of the gospel with gentleness and respect? And so the first one we got on there is, is probably the easiest one. It is simply you can just invite your friends to learn about Jesus with you. Invite your friends to church. Or maybe it isn't a friend, but whoever God has put on your heart that needs to know Jesus. Maybe it's a family member, a coworker, a neighbor, a grandchild, someone's uh, parent on your kid's team, a PTO mom. Whoever it is, invite them to church with you. Our hope and my hope in prayer is that our church would be a place where you can invite people to come and hear and experience the gospel each week. Maybe you don't feel like you know all the words. We're going to talk about it in a second. But for now, you can always say to someone, would you come and learn with me about Jesus? Or ask your questions, or just come to church with me. One of my favorite characters in the Bible is a, a guy by the name of Andrew. And every time we see Andrew in the Bible, he is bringing someone to Jesus alongside him. It's who he was. It's a part of his lifestyle. We should strive to be that kind of person that is always bringing others along with us to learn about Jesus. And with that, I'll, I'll say a couple of things. First of all, this kind of goes back to that serve, but this is why it is important the way you live and serve and love others. The way you live gives credibility to share. Don't wear your Living Hope t-shirt or sweatshirt and then go crazy at the ball game. Don't talk about seeing each other at church at coffee and then the next sentence gossip about somebody. I mean, the reality is if you're the biggest jerk, the biggest grumbler, the biggest gossiper at work, the last thing I'm going to want to do is go to the church that you go to. But if you live out your faith, if you're kind to me, if you serve me, I am much more likely to receive an invitation. That's why God calls us not to live for ourselves, but to love and serve others. It honors God, it honors those around us, and people are drawn to that. And through that, they are drawn to God. When you live differently, people will see the difference, and they will ask, and they will probably already know that you are a Christian. 
just a, just a month or so ago, I was hanging out with someone from our church, uh, and they introduced me as their pastor, and then that person named like four other people that go to our church. Now, they may have also received an invitation from them, but the, the reality is if your life looks different, people already know that you're a Christian. They've heard through the grapevine that you go to church, all right? So when you love and serve others, it creates opportunities to invite and for God to move. So live differently. Be a friend and then have the courage to invite that friend, coworker, or neighbor to church. In 2013, Facts and Trend did a study. And in that study, they found that 82% of non-church-going people said they would attend church if they were invited by a friend. That's a crazy stat. Four out of five people said they would be likely to attend church if a friend invited them. Now, likely doesn't mean that they're going to come every time. Um, but for some reason, we have come to believe that people are going to be offended if we invite them to church. Perhaps on occasion they might be, but for the most people, for, for most people, uh, they're going to be honored that you invited them to be a part of something, especially something that is changing you for the better. You're letting them into your life, and if you love and serve people, they're going to appreciate that. For example, in my life, I can't think of a single invitation I've ever gotten that I was offended by. Now, I don't always go to what I'm invited to. But I've never taken it personal that someone took the time to invite me to be a part of something they were doing. For example, like two weeks ago, uh, I don't eat sushi, uh, but I had someone invite me to their group sushi night, their weekly sushi night every, every week. Right? I don't eat sushi, I didn't go to the sushi party, but I did not take offense to that. But it was instead honored that they would invite me to be a part of their group. Don't overthink it. When the opportunity arises, invite your non-church friends to come and to learn with you about Jesus. Your job is to love, pray, serve, and share, and God will change their hearts in his timing. And in that, if you bring your friends to church, my commitment to you is that in every sermon, I will share at least the basics of the gospel. I will do my best to share the gospel, to share the hope of Jesus in every message I preach, so that if your friend come just once, they will at least have the opportunity to hear of the love of Jesus and the hope of the gospel. Invite your friends to church so they might hear the good news of a God that loves them, that offers forgiveness to them, that gave his life for them, and that loves them where they are. And this applies to children and youth as well. We're, we're starting kids and youth night, I think, in just two weeks. This is an opportunity for you to invite your friends, neighbors, schoolmates to come to church with you, to have fun and to learn about Jesus with you. I, I have so many friends that are followers of Jesus today because they had a friend or a neighbor that invited them to youth group or to vacation Bible school. Be that kind of friend that invites your friends to church. God can and he will use that to change and transform lives. And parents, you get to help with this because you get to be the one that takes the extra time to go pick up your kids' friends so they can come and learn about Jesus. Another great way that you can share Jesus with your friends is by sharing your story of faith as you live life alongside them. Oftentimes we believe that in order to share or to tell people about Jesus, uh, we have to have every possible answer memorized, and we have to go through a formal gospel sharing tool. There's a time and a place for that. There's a time and a place for those tools, but more often than not, sharing the gospel looks like sharing your story of how Jesus has changed your life with your friends. It means explaining to a friend why, why church on Sunday mornings is important to you. It means asking to pray for a friend and then actually praying for them and following up and sharing how God has used prayer in your life. It means sharing who you were before Jesus and who you are now. It means inviting a friend to a, a special event like your baptism where you declare to them and to the world that you are a follower of Jesus. It means sharing your story of faith. And so the next way we can share Jesus with our friends is, is simply sharing our story. 
People can deny the Bible, but they can't deny your experience. Your story of transformation in Jesus is the most powerful story you have. And you can do this casually in small parts of a conversation, but share how God has shaped and transformed your everyday life. Or you might have a, a chance at coffee to share your whole story of the hope, love, and forgiveness you've experienced in Jesus. Rarely are our stories linear, but they, they have ups and downs, don't they? But God's faithfulness is constant throughout. Share your story. Share it all when the opportunity presents itself. Your friends love you, and if they love you, they would love to hear your story. Share it and share the hope that Jesus has provided you and that same hope that he offers to them as well. Your story has power, and it is a great opportunity to share the hope of Jesus with your friends. Have the courage to share. Be confident that the Holy Spirit will provide you with the words to say when the opportunity presents itself. Your call is to be a willing share of the gospel, and God's promise is that he will move in you and through your sharing to draw people to faith in him. In Acts chapter 1, uh, right before Jesus ascends, he commands his followers to go and share the gospel with the world. You would expect the next verse to say, go immediately and share. But instead, Jesus says, wait in Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit comes, for it will be in God's power that they will accomplish the task. I love that because it's a reminder that it is not all my responsibility. It's not my responsibility to convert people, but it's my responsibility to share and it is God's responsibility to save. All right, anyone can do this. Anyone can share their story. You don't need a, a seminary degree. All you need to do is share your story of faith. An easy way to think about this is to share who you were before Christ, what life was like, and then tell what happened, how you came to faith in Christ, and then what your life is like now. I mean, simply, be, before I knew God, I, I felt like something was missing in my life. I struggled with X, Y, Z. You fill in the blank. Then I had a friend share Jesus with me or invite me to church where I was reading my Bible, whatever your story is. And God showed me that he was real and that he died for me, that he loved me. And I asked him to be the Lord of my life. Since then, things haven't been perfect, but I have found peace that I never knew before. You can simply share your story like that. I would encourage you this week to take time and just write out your story. Write out how God has changed your life, who you were before, you were before how you came to faith. And what your life looks like now. Share your story. Be faithful to share the hope of Jesus. Be courageous to share. And then finally, our last point is just simply share the gospel. Right? Your, your story might not be enough to save someone. It can get someone excited and ask their questions. But then we have to share with them who Jesus was. What he did. How he loves them. How he gave his life on the cross. And how they can have life in him. Two things on this. First of all, share what you know. You don't have to know every answer to every question to share the hope of Jesus. Share what you know. If someone asks you something you don't know, it's okay to say, I don't know. Let me check on that. Right? People, you guys, you ask me questions all the time. I'm a pastor. I've got a seminary degree. I've got more school than I should have. But I feel like my answer is always, I don't know. Let me check. Right? It's okay to not know. Don't let that stop you from sharing. And then if people do ask you a question... Go find the answer in the Bible or ask somebody that has more uh, experience than you. Don't just confidently make up answers. Right? That doesn't do anyone any good. But along those same lines, you likely also know more than you realize. You likely know more than the person that you're sharing with. If you are a follower of Jesus and you have experienced faith in Jesus, then you know enough 
that leads someone to Jesus. Earlier, I said it's my intention to share the hope of the gospel, the hope of Jesus in every sermon. I do that for two reasons. I I said it earlier. I do that so that someone comes, that they will hear the gospel and have a chance to respond. But the second reason I try to share the gospel every Sunday is so that you know the gospel and that you can share it with those, those in your life as well. Share what you know. God can and will use your faithful willingness to share to move in other lives. Be willing to be used. Be courageous and share the hope you have in Jesus when the opportunity presents itself. And opportunities will present themselves, I guarantee it. When you feel that Holy Spirit tug on your heart and call you to share, be willing, courageous, step out in faith and share. Those around us can't know if they don't hear. And they won't hear unless we go and we share. I can say with confidence that God is working in your friends' lives. He's working in your family's lives. He's working in your co-workers' lives. He's drawing them to him, and he is calling, equipping, and he wants to use you in their lives. What an awesome promise, and what a great reality that God wants to use you to draw people to him. Your friends and families, when they tell their stories someday, they might include you as the instrument that God used to draw them to him. Share your story. Share what you know. Point people to the Bible. Read the Bible with them. Research and answer their questions. Pray expecting God to move and transform their lives. Now, if you're someone who likes to be prepared, you like to have a tool for those kind of conversations, on the bottom of your sermon notes, I've included three of my favorite tools for sharing the gospel. Uh, My go-to and the one that I use most on Sunday mornings is what's called the Romans Road. I mean, it's a collection of five or six Bible verses in Romans that walk you through the gospel from sin to Jesus' death and resurrection to the new life available in him. I often share an abbreviated version of that on Sunday mornings, but it's simple, and I always like to point people to the Bible when I'm telling them about Jesus. Those verses are on your sermon notes, and I would encourage you uh, to memorize them, or what I've done is I put a bookmark on the first one in my Bible, and then on the side column, I put an arrow to the next verse, and then I flip to that verse, and there's an arrow to the next verse, and that way I can share the gospel with people straight from the Bible, and I can keep track of where I'm going. And so I know that that can sound a little intimidating, so uh, let me share, how, share with you kind of how that goes for me often. For me, because I'm a pastor, it often starts with someone asking what our church believes or what does it mean to follow Jesus. For you, it may be a person noting the change in your life to which you can say, well, I I recently trusted Jesus or uh, five years ago I trusted Jesus in my life and I'm trying to follow him and it's changing my life. You can tell about how Jesus has given you a peace and a confidence in your life that you had never experienced before. You can ask them a question, can I tell you about it? If they say no, it ends the conversation. If they say yes, then you have uh, the freedom to share. And then you can go through the Romans. Say the Bible says in Romans that all have sinned. I always explain that's a fancy word for us breaking God's rules or going against him. The Bible says we've fallen short of the glory of God. And because of that sin, Romans tells us we all deserve death, eternal death. And and our relationship with God is severed in that. But Jesus comes to earth, the Bible tells us, to live a pure and sinless life. He lives the perfect life which you couldn't live, which I couldn't live, which we couldn't live. And then in that perfect life, he dies as the perfect sacrifice. He dies the death that my sin and your sin deserve. My favorite verse in the Bible is Romans 5, 8. It says, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, while you and I were still sinners far from Jesus, he sent Jesus to die for us. That's incredible. He loves us that much. But God gives us all a choice, the Bible tells us. We have to choose whether to believe that or not. 
And when I chose to believe Jesus, uh, when I chose to believe that Jesus was who he said he was, that he did what he said he did, he died the death I deserved, it changed my life. Once I committed my life to Jesus, it hasn't been perfect. There's been ups and downs, but he has been faithful and he has given me his peace. The Bible says we can choose that at any time. And that's when you can ask, what do you think? Ask their questions, answer questions. And you can even ask, would you like to choose to trust in Jesus to be the leader of your life? Right? That's simple. That's easy. It took like a minute. It's not too threatening, but it shares the hope and the message of Jesus. And you don't have to use those words perfectly, or my words. My words are not the words you need to use. You can find your own words. But the Romans Road kind of provides that foundation, that framework for sharing the hope of Jesus. And if you prefer a visual tool, I've written down the link uh, for both the bridge method and the three circles method of sharing the gospel. Both of those use scripture, but also include a uh, visual element to your presentation. Those are great tools if you ever ask someone, uh, if you ever have someone like ask you to coffee or dinner and they want to know formally more about Jesus and you kind of have that introduction. It's a tool to do that. I would encourage you to check those out. And if you have questions, uh, let me know. But these are all great tools, so, so learn them, but don't let your lack of having them perfectly memorized stop you from sharing. Paul tells us the need is urgent. Your friends can't know the hope of Jesus unless they hear. God has put you in their life for a purpose. And I believe that purpose is to share the hope and love of Jesus with them. Pray for the lost around you with desperation. Pray with compassion and tears in your eyes. Invite your friends, your family to church. Share your story with them. Share what you know. Share the gospel. And trust that God can and will use you and your faithfulness to draw people to saving faith in him. Verse 13, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. There's great assurance and confidence in this. But how then can they call on the one they have not believed in? How can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? How can they hear without someone sharing with them? How can someone share unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those that bring good news. My prayer for us as individuals and as church is that we would be people with beautiful feet. People that are always going and sharing and loving others. And sharing the hope of Jesus. Because the consequences are eternal. And so as we wrap up, I'm going to share with you a video. It's a video I've shared before. But it's a video that, uh, that challenges me. And breaks my heart each and every time I watch it. This is a video of outspoken uh, atheist Penn Gillette. He's a, a magician. And he shares about this time that a man proselytized to him. And proselytize just means that somebody shared Jesus with him. And he shares what that meant to him as an atheist. As someone who is proud to be far from God. And as you hear his story, it's a reminder that the call is urgent. And that if we love and have compassion on those around us, then we must share the hope of Jesus with them. So we'll watch it. I want to talk to you about this. Uh, I've been home from a show, and at the end of the show, uh, as I mentioned before, we go out and we, uh, we talk to folks and, you know, sign an occasional autograph and shake hands and so on. And there was one guy waiting over to the side in the um, what I call the hover position after I was all done, big guy, probably about my age, Big guy. And um, he had been the, um, the guy who has uh, picks the joke during our psychic comedian section of the show. 
Uh, so he had the props from that in his hands because we'd give those away. He had the so the joke book and the and the envelope and the paper and stuff. If you haven't seen the live show, I, uh, it's not worth explaining. But he had props from the show that we'd given him from the night before. Uh, he wasn't the guy that night. And he walked over to me and he said, um, I was here last night at the show and uh, uh, I saw the show and I liked it. I wanted, he was very complimentary about my use of language and um, complimentary about, you know, honesty and stuff. He said nice stuff. No reason to go into it. He said nice stuff. And then he said, I brought this for you. And he handed me a uh, Gideon Pocket Edition. Um, I thought it said from the New Testament, but I also thought it was Psalms from the New Testament, right? Or, uh, Psalms from the New, just part of the New Testament. Little book about this big, this thick, you know. He said, I wrote in the front of it, and I wanted you to have this. I'm kind of. Uh, proselytizing and then he said I'm a businessman I'm I'm sane I'm not crazy and he looked me right in the eye and did all of this and uh, it was really wonderful I believe he knew that I was an atheist But he was not uh, defensive, and he looked me right in the eyes. And he was truly complimentary. It wasn't in any way, it didn't seem like empty flattery. He was really kind and nice and sane and looked me in the eyes and talked to me. And then gave me this Bible. And I've always said, you know, that I, I don't respect people who don't proselytize. I don't respect that at all. If you believe that there's a heaven and hell and people could be going to hell or not getting eternal life or whatever, and you think that, uh, well, it's not really worth telling them this because it would make it socially awkward. And atheists who think that people shouldn't proselytize, just leave me alone, keep your religion to yourself. Uh, how much do you have to hate somebody to not proselytize? How much do you have to hate somebody to believe that everlasting life is possible and not tell them that? I mean, if I believed beyond a shadow of a doubt that a truck was coming at you and you didn't believe it, but that truck was bearing down on you, there's a certain point where I tackle you. And this is more important than that. That video breaks my heart every time I see it. I don't, I don't think I've seen that video in a couple of years. And watched it in my office today, and my eyes just fell with tears as I, I thought about so many in my life that don't know Jesus. How much do you have to hate someone to not share with them? If you believe that the gospel is true, then how can we not share the hope and love of Jesus with those around us? I love the illustration of the truck, because we can, we can wrap our minds around that. If we saw a truck coming for anyone, we would do whatever it took to get them out of the way. Yet eternity is so much more. And you and I, we have the answer to life after death. You and I have been entrusted with the good news, the truth of salvation. How hateful is it for us not to share? 
to prioritize our comfort and our desires and our social norms over their eternity and their future. How wrong is it to, to focus on ourselves, our preferences, our comforts, and not share? So as we wrap up, I mean, the first question we have to ask is, as, do we know Jesus? Have we experienced his forgiveness in his life? And if you're not sure about that, come and ask your questions. We would love to share with you what it means to follow Jesus. We read it in Paul right there. If you confess with your mouth and you believe that he is Lord, you will be saved. There is great confidence and assurance in that. And secondly, who, who are the people around me that God has put in my life? Who are the, the lost around me? Am I concerned? Am I grieved over their future? Am I praying for them? Am I crying out on their behalf? Am I serving and loving and looking for opportunities to share? If not, pray that God would break your heart. That he would give you compassion for those around you. And as he does, begin praying. For you, maybe you, you know the person. There are pictures, there are people's faces in your mind you know that you need to share with. Who is he calling you to share with? And what step can you take this week to actually share? Maybe you need to invite someone to coffee or, or share your story intentionally with them. Who is God put in your life that he's calling you to share with? And my encouragement is whatever he's calling you to do, don't overthink it. Don't talk yourself out of it. Don't wait till the circumstances are perfect. But trust God this week and take the next step to share uh, the hope, the good news with someone this week. I'm going to pray for us. And as I do, our worship team is going to come and lead us in a final song. God, we thank you that we have been entrusted with good news. News that, has, that is full of hope. News of your love. News of your sacrifice and your forgiveness. God, and we thank you that you have given us a purpose in our life. A purpose that we have been entrusted with this good news. And a purpose to share that good news with others. God, we thank you that you have put people in our life that need to hear that good news. God, will we be people that boldly and faithfully point people to you and share the hope of Jesus? God, I, I know that we feel anxiety and we feel uh, nervousness over this. God, I pray that you would break our hearts so much, that you would give us so much compassion for those around us, that it would overwhelm those feelings and you would empower us with your courage and your words to faithfully share, not only this week, but the rest of the days of our lives. God, may there be many people who in the future are baptized and they share uh, the story of how we boldly pointed them to Jesus. God, we pray that many in our community, many in our friend group, many uh, across our state would know you because of our faithfulness and our boldness and our courage to share. God, I pray you would break our hearts this week for the lost that we would be a people that faithfully proclaim. Lord, would you clearly uh, put people's faces in our minds right now so that we can go and share this week. Would you faithfully, clearly, and boldly just put uh, our next steps in our minds, and would you give us the courage to do that this week? God, you've given us so much. You've given us life and assurance of that life. You've forgiven us, and you've given us your peace. You've given us the promise and eternity with you. 
God, would you have us be people that boldly share that very good news with those around us? God, we love you. We thank you for who you are and what you've done in our lives. May we be sharers of that good news.